Isn't it great to be here this morning? I hope you are as excited as I am. There is no better place to be than be at a place where we can worship our God. Amen? Uh, as some of you maybe heard me preach before, and if you're not, anyway, I'm going to let you know that when I was a kid uh, back in my country, Honduras, uh, my parents would send me to my um, uh, uncle's farm so that I wouldn't be a mom doing nothing in, in my house, so they would send me over there. And uh, in one of those occasions, uh, obviously I was very little, uh, my uncle put me in a horse. And he said, if you can get this horse to take you from here to there, that horse is yours. Very generous, right? <laughs> Obviously, he knew what he was doing because at the moment that I had an opportunity, I jumped out of that horse because I've never been on a horse. Obviously, it, it seems like he was trying to be generous. They, just, they really just want to laugh at me. But... <laughs> Like that says, I survive. And uh, obviously, he never did that offer again because um, he would have lost a horse. Uh, but uh, when I thought about that, I thought about what does generosity then really mean? Uh, as you know, we've been talking all this month about generosity. And so um, it's my opportunity now to... Uh, wrap up that uh, theme, and, and I hope I, I can do that. Uh, but before I do that, anybody passionate about food in here? Well, it looks like we're going to starve to death, but anyway. Um, if you know anything about food, you know that if you put the flour and the eggs and you put a bunch of vegetables in a bowl, doesn't make a pizza, right? You have to actually... Put the ingredients together as, as, you, as you're working, and then uh, you add them uh, at the right time, and then they become the final product. So a message is kind of like that. So that being said, I will give you some information, we'll give you some statistics, and then we'll reflect on that. So hopefully at the end of the service of the message, that will make sense. Agree? Awesome. So, like I said, I started thinking, what does generosity mean? And so I went to, I, actually, I said in the first service, I went to a dictionary. Nobody does that now, right? We go to the computer or our, our phones. We ask Siri. We ask Google. So I went to Google and I asked, so what's generosity? And interestingly, the first thing that he asked me, the etymological, etymological definition of it. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute, let me go and see what etymology means. So etymology is just the origin of how do the words came about and how they, they change through time in their meaning. Okay, so okay, we got that one covered. So again, let's go again. What does generosity mean? And so in that sense, generosity, it says it derives from the Latin word generosus, what mean, which means a person of a noble birth. Isn't that surprising? But as the time uh, developed, like I said, the, the words changed their, 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 their meaning and their form. And so by the end of the uh, 17th century, it kind of shifted a little bit to mean more of a person of a noble 
novelty of spirit. But yet again, it's still linked to a person of a high birth. As that concept, like I said, continues to change for our, our own DNA, we'll use that word generosity to mean uh, of a person that has the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. That being said, in that context then, I entitled my message this morning, Extravagant Generosity. Extravagant Generosity. I wanted to put a picture on that. The problem is that when I googled the word extravagant, I got all kinds of things. But if you think about something extravagant, it's kind of really difficult to define, right? Again, for our own purposes, I will define extravagant as lacking restraint in spending money or using resources. That's kind of like the bottom line definition. So, extravagant generosity. Do you understand the power of those two words linked together? And so, in order to build on that, like I said, in order to cook this recipe, I want to give you some statistics. In order to do that, I want to ask you to think about a rich person. When I ask you to do that, probably the last person that comes to your mind is yourself. Right? Right? However, statistically, I discovered that if you have a household of $40,000 a year, you're on the top 4% of the Highest wages earners in the world. If you add just a little bit more, if you add $10,000 to that amount, and now you have a household income of $50,000 a year, you're among the 1% of the highest wages in the world. By the way, do you know that the average wage of the people in the world is $10,000 a year? Now, do you feel any richer now? Please understand that I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about the amount of money you make. I'm just trying to reflect. I'm just trying to make, give you a reason to have the right focus. Because the reason that, um, that we probably we don't feel ourselves as rich people is because we're focused on the wrong thing. Rebecca Bonor, in her book, says that the body naturally follows the path of the eyes. And that is only detrimental when we are focused on the wrong thing. Some of you know that I like uh, indoor cycling and uh, I like running sometimes, and if they're a runner or a, a biker in here knows that if you're uh, go, doing that exercise, you, your eyes have to be focused on where you're going. Imagine somebody on a bike looking that way and trying to go forward is not going to end that well, right? 
But when you are there, you're pedaling, you're focusing uh, on breathing, you're focusing on sending uh, oxygen to those muscles, which at the same time are converting the glucose on ADP, which is the spark that gets the energy to the muscles. You're focused, you're pedaling, you're putting your effort, you're, you're having the right focus as you do that. You can't do exercise if you're not having the right focus. Like I said, our problem is we've, we're focused on the wrong things because instead of being focused in what we have, we are focused on what we don't have. Pastor Vidalis mentioned a couple of weeks ago how contradictory it is that the day after we give thanks for everything we have, we're pushed to get more things that maybe we don't even need. So let me give you a little bit more perspective. Do you remember the first paycheck you got? I'm not talking in your adulthood life, but with the first paycheck. If you remember that, you probably remember that when you got that, you, your thoughts were probably, what am I going to do with all this money? Right? Now, that goes away very quickly when you start paying taxes and when you have mortgages and other responsibilities. But at that time, where we still don't have all those responsibilities, when we still have the focus changed to the wrong thing, we, we think ourselves as being rich. Just by the fact that you own a vehicle, a car, a transportation, you are considered a rich person among all the people in the world. If you have food in your refrigerator, if you have clothes in your closet, if you have a place to sleep, you're ahead of 75% of the people of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, under your mattress, somewhere hidden in your house, you're among the 8% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now, the point of all those statistics is not so that we go, woohoo, we're rich, right? I hope you know that. But the point of that is so that we can reflect, so that we can think, so that we can have the right perspective of what are we going to do with that? What is our responsibility with that? So Luke chapter 6, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from there. Luke chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. When you have time this afternoon, go ahead and read that entire section. Uh, and, and those verses, they're on the screen. They, go, they read in this way. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. How do we call that last verse? The golden rule. The golden rule. But as that passage unfolds, like I said, when you read it this afternoon, you'll see that Jesus outlines seven aspects of unconditional love. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do not retaliate. Give freely. Treat others 
and the way you want to be treated. Isn't that long list seems to be contained all of that in the item number seven? Treat others the way you want to be treated. These are all actions that require something from us, require an action either to restrain ourselves or to move forward. But these actions do not, does not come naturally to our human nature. They require a supernatural enabling. And who's the only one who can do that? Our King Jesus. Amen? They mark, they denote, they embody the distinguished character of our Heavenly Father. It's not about us. There's no way we can do that. It's about the power of Jesus working in our lives through His Spirit as we sing this morning. So if you don't remember absolutely anything of what I said this morning. Please remember this. This is my one and only point. This is the big idea of this whole sermon. God wants us, as his children, to be extravagantly generous to others. Why? Because he is extravagantly generous to us. Who can help me understand this better than Paul? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 I'm reading from the message version says, We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were all while we were of no use whatever. To him. Did you see that part that is underlined? While we were of no use, whatever to him. There is absolutely nothing we can do to earn this unconditional love, this extravagant love, other than be thankful for his extravagant generosity. It's about him. It's not about us. A few months ago, I preached on the Good Samaritan, and I talked how the way in these, these men, these Good Samaritan, carry care for these wounded men in an extravagant way. If you remember that, that message, the amount of money he gave for the innkeeper to take care for him was enough to take care for him for years. And not only that, he said, whatever else you spend, I will pay it back. Isn't that the way we want to be treated? That no expenses are considered in order to be cared for, to be treated. Yesterday we had uh, our dinner church celebration uh, of Thanksgiving. Dinner church is one of the ministries that we have over here on Saturday. And one of the premises of dinner church is that the food has to be plentiful. The food has to be colorful. You saw some of the pictures over there in the video of our gatherings of dinner church. Uh, and uh, yesterday we didn't do very good because we ran out of food because we had so much people coming, which is a good problem to have. 
uh, bless you. Uh, we were lucky to have enough dessert, so we didn't feed them food, but we gave them a lot of desserts. Uh, so everybody was happy at the end. But the point of all that is our generosity, our extravagant giving should cause our community to say, what is that all about? Our generosity has an outward focus, not an inward focus. I know that when we do our, our Christmas list, we want to be inwardly focused, right? I want this, I want that, I want that. But we need to change our focus and say, maybe I don't need everything I want. Maybe there is somebody who needs something, not just wanting. A few weeks ago, we celebrate Trunk or Treat, and, and our, our, our campus was filled with people being given candies and, and love and, and, and being treated right. So our generosity allows those people to see God's generosity. That's what it's all about. So once again, now do you understand the kind of responsibility we have toward all the means that we have? As God was shaping his people, when he was talking to Abraham, he, he said in Genesis chapter 12, And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Friends, those all people... It's you and me. This is us. This is the people who God is talking about. We are supposed to be a blessing to other people, a.k.a. our community around us. But sometimes we feel like, um, you know, when you're at home and, and mom asks, who's going to do the chores of the day? And we are looking like, No. He's talking about us. You hear me say plenty of times, do you understand that you might be somebody's answers of their prayers? Isn't that a sovereign responsibility? And, and, and when I say us, I don't mean you and I. I mean the work that God does through us. Remember, it's not about us. All the time, it's not about us. Second Corinthians verse nine, verse uh, chapter nine, verse ten and twelve and fifteen says, "This service that you perform is not only applying, supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God." Do you understand that what that means is what you're doing is causing other people. To be thankful to the Lord. Isn't that awesome that we get to participate? It's not, it's not that we have to. It's that we get the honor and the privilege to participate in God's work. Because of the service by which you have proven yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
I hope that by this time, um, you're already putting together all these words that we've been talking during all these four weeks. Unmeasurably. Undescribable. Unconditionally. Supernatural. Can you tell me you can really grasp the concept of that in your finite mind? I don't know uh, how many of you remember a few years ago where some uh, pictures were published uh, about some galaxies far, far away taken by the Hubble telescope that were like, I don't know how many light years of, uh, uh, of distance of here. And uh, we, or I'm going to speak of myself, I still get um, marvel of the pictures of the earth, of places I don't know. So it's hard for us to grasp the concept of the universe. And we see these words, unmeasurably, undescribable, unconditionally, supernatural. Pastor Vidalis talked about last week, uh, uh, two weeks ago, about this unmeasurable oil pouring in Jesus. It's hard for us to grasp the concept of all these that they speak of God's extravagant generosity to us. One of the things I enjoy is um, watching movies, but I'm, I'm, I try to be selective of the movies that I see. And, and in the movies, I always try to get the, uh, a good point that, not, that I just don't, didn't spend all my time uh, watching a movie. And there is a movie uh, called A Night's Tale. Uh, some of you, I see you remember that movie. Uh, but for those of you who don't, don't know that movie, uh, this is an aide. It's not even an apprentice. As an apprentice, it means that eventually he will become whatever he is an apprentice for. But he's just an aide of a knight. And uh, for things that happen in the movie, uh, the knight passed away and so he kind of takes the role of the knight and he starts performing as the knight until he gets discovered and, and, and he needs to prove that he really is a knight and as you know you can only be a knight if you are being birthed into, into uh, the title and although he's, he's performed great he can continue to play the role until the prince, the future king, grants him the ability to be a knight. And when I thought about that movie, like I said, I, I think about the way we become part of the family we become part, we're imported, we're adopted in the way that Galatians speaks about. We become the sons of the heart of God so that we can call him Abba Father. Isn't that unconditional, supernatural, undescribable, immeasurably way to be loved? Amen. That's the right place to say amen, by the way. 
Because that's, that's the reason why we're here. You know, there's so many places we could be today. But we are here because we are, we have been unconditionally loved by God. And we have a responsibility. This is the right time to start think, to start reshaping, refocusing our view, our focus. Like I said, maybe things that we're thinking about for next week are things that we really don't need. It's surprising when you start thinking about those things that you want and you discover, well, I really don't need that. Like I said in the beginning, and with this I will end, my intention is not to make you feel guilty. My intention is so that we can reshape our focus, so that we can rethink what is our responsibility with all this generosity that we have been given. It's not just for our enjoyment. It's so that we can be a blessing for other people. Amen?